Coming up on this week's episode of Phimology, we are taking a look at the spooky things in the dark, which might be Autobots or Decepticons, M maybe some mammal mammals. What are they called? I think. I think maybe. You know, I watched the show, and I watched the movie, and I still can't think of what they're called. Maximals. Maximals. <laughs> you think of Danimals? <laughs> Maximals. To the max. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. Welcome to the show, everybody. I am John Goyer, what's also known as Johnny G over at filmologyshow.com. And on this week's episode of the show, I am joined by Samantha. Hello. No Mike this week, even though he picked one of the films that we are going to be reviewing. Just scheduling conflicts, so we're recording a little bit earlier than we usually do. It just uh, it didn't work out at the end of the day. And Adam hates horror films, so he's got a pass. Which, I guess also Samantha has a pass, so that means I'm the only one who actually saw The Boogeyman. Yeah. On this week's episode of the show, we are, or I am, reviewing The Boogeyman, and then Samantha will be joining me to review Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Our top five for this week's episode of the show is top five movie robots. No, I really don't think I have to put the word movie in front of everything. You think since we're called filmology, we're talking about movies all the time. It would just be implied that we are doing movie-related robots, not book-related robots, not TV show, not anime, but... Just wait till that one time you don't say movie robots, and someone will actually be like, hey, what what kind of robots? Yeah. Why, why were they just movie robots there? Yeah, so... <laughs> If you want to check out more episodes of this very show, you can head over to filmologyshow.com. We have past, like I said, just past episodes of the show, past written reviews all the way back to 2013. Uh, that site is always and will always be a work in progress. You can head there one day and it looks completely different. Uh, so it's a fun little thing. Fun little scavenger hunts over there. Also, some stuff that's not linked, but if you happen to find it, great job. It means that I forgot to put a link in. I was just like, oh boy. <laughs> your 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 facial ex expressions said it all. It's okay. Anyway, so on every episode of the show, we talk about things that have inspired us. Whether that be movies, books, TV shows, video games. Things that we want to put a spotlight on. Samantha, I usually go first every week. So I'm going to have you go first this week. We're going to change it up a little bit. I'm going to have you go first. And then I'll I'll continue with. You know, what, what has inspired me this week? So I'm going to be honest with you. I had a really busy week and we'll have another very busy week ahead. The one I'm picking is a book I just started this morning. <laughs> but I decided that it counts just as well. And I feel like if anyone is a part of the TikTok community or romance novel community, they will know exactly what journey I'm about to embark on. A bad one. Rude. <laughs> the book I started reading is A Court of Thorn and Roses by Sarah J. Moss. 
So I will definitely keep everyone updated on it. I am on chapter four, no, chapter five now. I'm on chapter five and it inspires me to go out and kill a wolf so that I can go to a mystical land. So I feel very inspired right now. Um, wolves should look out. <laughs> mm, no. <laughs> I... I just, do you ever get into a good book and you're sitting there just like, man, I bet I could totally be the badass warrior princess that this person is, and then you go back to reality and you're like, there's no way. I don't even, I don't even run, so. No, I don't, I don't get that vibe. Oh, no, never. You don't read as much as I do, though, so maybe. I mean, one, and once maybe again, you could. The, the if stuff you I usually read is nonfiction, so correct. I'm not. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't look at myself as like right now. I'm reading a book about Mer- American uh, horror films. No, I don't look at myself in like the the zeitgeist of like you know a Freddy Krueger or or Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers. I, no, I don't do that. And even if I did, I would never share it on a podcast like this. So, um... I will tell you that it's going to be a fun one because some of my friends and I have started our own book club. And they were horrified when they realized I hadn't read this one yet. And so everyone in the book club has already read it and are rereading it. And they demanded that I text them my running thoughts about each and every page I read. Mm. And um, that's been a good time. <laughs> it's yeah. only gonna get more dramatic. <laughs> yeah, no, no, don't need that in my life. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I mean, happy for you. Is this gonna be like one of those cases where, like, usually Mike gives us a recommendation, and I go, "Yep, I'm gonna check that out, Mike." Like Yellow Jackets uh, on Showtime, which is you can get on the Paramount Plus streaming network. I kept telling them, hey, I'm going to watch this. It sounds interesting. Yeah, it sounds great. Well, the, the the furthest I've gotten with this is I have subscribed again to Paramount+. Plus. That's as far as I've gotten. I haven't even opened it to say, yes, I'm going to hit that play button. That hasn't happened. But I, I have subscribed. Is that is that going to be like your updates? I did buy all five books in the series. So you really have access to it. I mean, maybe not the one I'm currently reading, but you're telling me I have. You access. can have it next. I don't. No, I don't want to read this. Um, <laughs> like you for sure have a chance to check it out. No. Don't. Then you can talk to me about how you want to be a fairy princess warrior person. The thing that has inspired me this current <laughs> week. <laughs> there's two big film studios that are celebrating 100 years this year. You have the Walt Disney Studios, which obviously, like, once again, those those of you who have listened to the show for a long time, read my reviews, big fan of the Disney company, and Samantha, you're also a big fan of the company. We actually, earlier this year, were able to tour the Walt Disney Studios, uh, which, for me, lifelong dream, fantastic tour. The film studio who I'm going to actually talk about here is Warner Brothers. They are celebrating their 100th anniversary this year. They've had a lot of ups and downs. Much like everything that's been around for a hundred year, hundred years, but there's a really good documentary, documentary miniseries on Max called "Just a Hundred Years of Warner Brothers." It's directed by uh, Leslie Iwerks, who Samantha, I don't think you watched 
the Imagineering story on Disney Plus. Did you watch that? No, did they delete it from existence? If they delete that from existence, I would be very upset. Oh, good. I still have time. I mean, I mean that that. Sorry, would, you just scared me. I was like, oh no. That would actively like. We we don't have to go down that path. We understand, that, but I was just like, wait a minute, is that one of the things that are gone? That would actively be them deleting like history, history, like flat out, like hey, here's the, here's the history of the fifty years of this company that we like Imagineering, uh, Wet Enterprises. And it's like, yep, okay, cool, delete. And I'm like, oh, that would just, that would be heartbreaking. I do have a dark question related to this. Okay, go ahead. I feel like we should label this time called The Reckoning, just because I feel like if this is going to be a trend, then this is going to happen, like, once a year, a little after tax time. Wouldn't you think? I don't think it's going to happen every year. I think it's going to, I mean. I was just like, oh, no. I mean, maybe. Who will survive the trials? Because here's the thing, at, at some point what's going to happen here is they're going to run out of stuff that they can just hit the delete button on. Okay. Uh, it, 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 no, it's not going to I'm just yet. saying because I remember you telling me, at least, that there was another round at the end of this month. There's another round at the end of this month because they already wrote it off saying it's going to be happening. Do we know what they are? Uh, no, we do not know what the titles are going to be. My guess would well. be one of the big titles is that will be deleted from existence is going to be the National Treasure TV show, just because it's been canceled, and they said they're not going to continue with it. Maybe I should watch that. Yeah, you have till the end of the month. Other than that, no, I don't know what's going to be. Okay, sorry. Tell us about Imagineering and why we should watch it. Nope, not Imagineering. A Hundred Years of Warner Brothers. But Tell me why we should watch that. uh, The reason why I was talking about Leslie Iwerks directed the Imagineering story on Disney+, and she's directing this one. Now, the Imagineering story was a little bit easier. I think it was like, what, six parts? That was 50 years of history? This is 100 years of history at Warner Brothers in four hours. So it kind of breezes through a lot of things. For somebody, like, let's say you, Samantha, who doesn't really like have knowledge of the Warner Brothers studio and who, the, who all these family members were and their dynamics that they had... And then what went on after that, like all the ups and downs, like I said, the ups and downs of this company being sold off numerous times until we're at this latest sell-off to Discovery. I don't think we've all seen how it's going to play out yet, so we can't say if it's an up or down for the company, but it's a great, it's, it's a great little documentary. Like the, the thing that's making me want to do is just go back and watch all these Warner Brothers movies, which is great for me. Because I'm like, oh, I love most, I mean, most of them that are in the documentary miniseries here, I actually obviously love. Because they're picking the best ones. They're picking Casablanca, the Maltese Falcon, uh, Rebel Without a Cause. Like, all, all these great films, landmarks of American cinema. So, this is a great thing to watch if you're like, cool, I'd like to know about this film studio. It's four hours, which I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, it's four hours, I don't have the time. But then they're going to sit down and watch TikTok for four hours. So, no, you, you have the time. You just are misusing it. But, um... So, is it against the <clears throat> book genre or the fact that I heard about it from TikTok that makes you not want to touch it? What are we talking? Your book? Your book? Yeah, you just <laughs> insulted TikTok right there. Thought I'd ask. <laughs> I didn't think we were still talking about your book. But, no, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm on record for saying how much I think TikTok is destroying society as it is, basically. We can't take anything in more than like a forty second like in, implement like 
45. That's been happening before TikTok. Come I think t- I think TikTok is accelerating it. I think that TikTok... I think it's the same. No. I, I, it's the same as any other thing we've been doing. Come on. It's not just TikTok. I, I think that we would not have things like Facebook Reels without TikTok. I think that we would Instagram not... Instagram started that. I know you don't really like Instagram Well, no, Instagram's better than TikTok, but like as somebody who uses Instagram and Facebook for my job, I still don't understand it. If you go back and listen to like episodes of the show from 2016, I'm still saying the same thing. I mean, we weren't talking about TikTok at that point, but Instagram, Facebook, all that. I, I think we had a Tumblr page back then. I don't understand this. I don't understand technology to that level. I use it every day, but I don't understand it. I don't get the appeal. I think that most of it is just saying an outrageous headline to get a click on uh, your, your your media, your content, which yeah, yeah, I hate. It's a dopamine hit. No, I, I yeah. hate it. I hate it. Um, it. It's such a false like. It's you're, you're false advertising to your brain, to your body, to everything. It is just a miserable world. But, but I also decide to live in the world of film and these movie studios. That and that's a part of it. Is mm-hmm. the the networking and promoting on social media. That's like a big part of it. Don't think so, Pretty but kidding. we don't need to get into that. We don't need to talk about how I feel uh, TikTok is destroying our society. God, I, feel, I sound like one of those get off my lawn kind of people. Yeah, my little curmudgeon. Yeah, it's okay. Get off my lawn. Anyway, uh, Samantha recommended a book that a lot of people apparently in the TikTok world and her book club world are liking. And I can't tell you anyone who's actually watched the documentary miniseries I've talked about. It, it's new. With that being said, it came out like the day that they rebranded HBO Max into Max. So when I say new, it's like two weeks, two and a half weeks old. Relatively new. I don't even know how I found it, honestly. I think I was just like, it wasn't It wasn't the top thing on Max. I had to kind of do a little bit of searching. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot that this was coming out and then I watched it. I, I, that's my other big problem with all of these streaming services is they have too much content and they just bury things. And it's like for something like the hundred years of Warner Brothers. I mean, yes, I get every not 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 every person's gonna want to watch that. I get that. It's still it's a hundred years of Warner Brothers. It's something that should be at least like on the top scrolling, scrolling uh, carousel for at least maybe like a month, a month to celebrate like a hundred years. I think that's fine. Put put that up there. Put the pride thing up there. I I think that's totally fine. I'm not sure because then their their whole thing, Samantha. Going back to what we were talking about, what just a couple minutes ago with the whole. Reckoning of content and everything. Because if people don't watch this, what they're going to do is they're just going to take it off and use it as a tax write-off. And I'm like, well, they didn't watch it because they didn't know it was there. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't think that's the case for, like, Disney Plus stuff. I mean, Disney Plus, that's a whole other can of worms that we've already chatted about many times. There's too much content on Netflix. I mean, as somebody who has every single streaming service under the sun, I don't have all the time to watch everything. Which... It's a blessing and a curse, I guess, but I don't think we need to get into that anymore. So, Samantha, you're going to head out for a little bit? Yeah, it's going to be too scary, so i got to go. Yep, she's going to head out, and I'm going to be talking about the Boogeyman. So here is the trailer for the Boogeyman. When there are scary things we don't understand, our minds try to fill in the blanks. Sometimes the best thing to do is to face it. So this light is going to be completely silent like it is right now. 
then gradually it's going to start flashing until it's totally dark. So you can see that there's nothing to be afraid of. Okay? See? That's not so scary, is it? Just you, you... Still reeling from the tragic death of their mother, a teenage girl and her younger sister find themselves plagued by a sadistic presence in their house and struggle to get their grieving father to pay attention before it's too late. That is the plot synopsis for The Boogeyman, one of the uh, latest horror films in theaters from 20th, uh, 20th, uh, it's not 20th Century Fox, I think it's just 20th Century Studios now. This is based on the short story by Stephen King. This was Mike's pick for this week's show. He's not here, but I'm here to talk about it. I saw it. I don't know if he saw it or not. We'll get back to him next week on that. But right now, I get to talk about it. It's exciting. This was a film that was originally meant to go straight to Hulu because, as we were just talking about before, streaming content, too much content. That's kind of like where everything's going now. Everything's going straight to these these uh, these streaming services but the uh the first audiences who saw the boogeyman thought it was so great so phenomenal that why should they waste it going to a streaming service that would be consumed in one week and then forgotten about so instead they released it to theaters which kind of worries me personally because 20th Century Studios also released a film called Barbarian, I believe, two years ago. Maybe it was a year ago. I don't know. Time doesn't really exist. But a phenomenal film. One of the best like horror films I've seen in a long time. Uh, and it, it was great. You can't actually buy a physical copy of it, which everybody kind of knows what's, what's going on right now. Having a physical copy is the safest way to have any sort of media content. Um, film content, TV, whatever, so you will have it for eternity. Eternity, as long as you have that way to play it. I'm kind of hoping that's not the same case here for the Boogeyman, that it's just, like, buried on Apple, the Apple Store, uh, Voodoo, Amazon, like, whatever. I, I don't want it to just be buried there forever, because that's not, that's, that's not fair to the people who made the film, who made, who put their, once again, who put their hard-earned time, money, and passion into making a film. That shouldn't happen to anybody. No matter what you think of the film, it should still be available for generations to watch. So, anyway, getting into the actual film here of The Boogeyman. I have to start off with saying that, for me, the best horror films are the ones in which you do not see the monster. Most of this film with The Boogeyman, I mean, The Boogeyman is in the shadows, he can't come into the light because he becomes into the light. He he burns up. I don't really know. There's the the, the the logic of the film kind of doesn't tell you a lot, but that that's fine. Uh, just going with the logic that I have, and that logic is just a lot of the film takes place in the dark until the end of the film, where they want to show me the monster, and I'm like, oh, this is every other monster you've seen in a film. One of the criticisms that I've been getting from you guys out there is I don't look at each film individually. I don't look at each film as its own island because I don't. I, each film, like, a piece of literature builds off of things that have come before it. Films build off things that have come before it. Why look at something in just a vacuum? I think that is a disservice to our entire uh, artistic community because we do. Like, for filmmakers, we go through and we take things that have inspired us. We want to play homages to them in our own films. So I, I, 
I think that's a, a absurd thing to say. To say, this film, it just it, there's nothing here that is reinventing the wheel. Now that's not saying that every film needs to reinvent the wheel because it doesn't. It just feels like a very been there, done that kind of film. It's one of those films that's trying to be hereditary, like Midsommar, like The Witch, like all of these, uh, like It Follows, all of these elevated horror films that have come out within the past, uh, let's say, the past 10 years at this point, that have really, I mean, it's in the title, they have elevated the horror genre. It has been an amazing ride to go on those uh, the journey with those films. So to have something like this that tries to do that, but then kind of fails miserably, in my opinion, is just... It's kind of hurtful, actually, because I'd rather go watch those films. It, like, it follows... There's moments of this film, The Boogeyman, that they're... Once again, the logic of the film, I'm not really sure what they're trying to say, and I actually wish I could have Mike here to like be like, Hey, Mike, did you get this from the film? Because this is what I got. Because the film doesn't actually tell you, so there's a lot of assumptions going on. Uh, with There's this black mold that's showing up, like this grief that's in this house and it's it's uh it's presented in the form of this black mold uh, how does the does the boogeyman itself or this creature does it travel through that black mold to these closets to get into these people's houses i i don't know there's this character of lester who if you've read the the, the, the short story i mean the main character of that short story is lester who maybe brings the boogeyman into the, the house of this family, this grieving family, but at the same time, the family's already grieving. Like, they don't they don't need to have this extra piece added to it. They're already having a lot of issues. Why didn't the boogeyman just find them that way? I, look, I don't know. I, maybe I'm asking questions that the film was like, okay, we don't really care about that, but it's... Once you try to make a film, an elevated horror film, I think that you're able to ask all these different questions of why is it why is the grief attacking this family why wasn't it here before what was the catalyst to get everything going what was the catalyst to start the horror here this, this film doesn't care about that no if this was a film like a halloween film okay whatever like michael myers he, he's the shape i mean he is the actual boogeyman who's just gonna come out of nowhere and stab you and move on like I don't need to know more than that because that's all that the film is telling me. I mean, later on the films get weighed down in all this Michael Myers, the shape mythology, but that original film was not weighed down on that. And this film is just, I want more and I want less at the same time. It's kind of weird because it's kind of weird just because I don't really know what to think of the film at the end of the day. Like I walked out and I was like, yep, that was the thing. It happened. It's not terrible. And it wasn't great. So I'm like, I, I knew exactly what my rating was walking out, but when trying to de describe this film to people, it's a lot of jump scares, but every jump scare that is coming is like a jump scare. It's predictable. You know what's going to be happening. You know what's going to be there. And I just don't... J jump scares for me have never been a great form of terror. Never been a great form of, of fright. Those things that do go bump in the dark, that you don't see, that you think you get a glimpse of with your eye... It's kind of like walking down, I mean, for me, walking downtown, middle of the night, like 1 a.m., 2 a.m., I'm like, I don't know what's going on, I'm not like completely there in my mind, 
and then you look down an alley and you think you see somebody and you look back and they're completely gone. Like that to me is terrifying. That's just a little like makes me feel uneasy. And it's those things in this film where you think you see this creature, the character looks back and the creature is gone and you don't get a full glimpse of what the creature looks like. I think that's fascinating, not fascinating, but that is the most effective use of horror in this film. Because once again, the, what I'm going to come up with, what you're going to come up with is a lot more terrifying than what we could actually see. That's why, like, reading horror books, like reading uh, Stephen King's It or the, Michael uh, Michael uh, Keaton's Jurassic Park, like, those work so much better as a book than they do as a movie. Now, I'm not saying that the, the, the It films were bad or, of course, Jurassic Park is a beloved film by myself, but, and for many people, but still, like, the... What your imagination comes up with is so much scarier than anything somebody else can try and give to you with regards to this. The camera movements of the film, they're good. They're great. I mean, it, it, if this would have gone straight to streaming, I think I'd be like, yep, you know what? For a straight to film, streaming film, this is good. But because, like, like we talked about in previous weeks, especially, especially last week... I talk about how when films come out in theaters, I have a different expectation for them. That bar is raised because I'm expecting, well, I'm not, not me and not personally, but the studio is expecting people to pay hard-earned money to go and see this film. And that's when I'm like, okay, if you're paying, I don't know, around here, it's, it's between 10 and $15 to go to a movie uh, for a matinee showing. So if you're going to go to see a matinee and it's going to cost you 10 to $15 and you don't get that money's worth, it, it, it just kind of feels bad. Like, you just kind of leave feeling like you wasted your time. I was asked by, when I was leaving the film, I was asked by some of the some of the staff of the theater what I thought of it because they know I go to the theater all the time. They just wanted to know thumbs up, thumbs down. And it was a thumb sideways. I mean, this film was a granted. The Boogeyman is outgranted. It doesn't give you anything that is all, all completely terrified and scary, but it doesn't do anything that's, like, completely, like, offensively bad either. It just feels like every other horror film that you've seen. So if you want to go in feeling like you know those beats, you're just kind of here to escape into the air condition for an hour and a half, I think it's worth it. I think it's fine. And I can tell you, like, people like Samantha, who hates things like this, I mean, just, like I said, the, the whole first hour of the film is basically implied. You don't know exactly what's going on there. Maybe the characters are crazy. I don't know. The moments where you don't see the monster other are the most effective, and I think that's the stuff that would work. I think this would have been great if they maybe either stayed closer to the source material, because it completely, I don't even want to say it takes inspiration, I, I don't... I don't know really, <laughs> other than that main character showing up, uh, what what this what this does to be considered a film inspired by a Stephen King short story. I mean, it's going for that IP. I get that, but there's nothing here that really needs it. It it just feels like a kind of feels like a campfire tale, and and, and not in a good way. Not like those good classic Twilight Zone episodes or things like that. It's just it feels like. A campfire tale without that last bit of punch to it like usually those good campfire tales like they have that last bit of scare they make your skin crawl and they just make you feel uneasy there was nothing in this film that made that happen uh, for me 
usually for films, I'm... I mean, I love horror films, yet I am one of the first people who's like, no, I'm just going to, like, grip onto my seat because I know, like, I'm going to be watching a horrible thing and I don't want to actually watch it. And I, and I never felt myself doing that with this film. So there's nothing here that's completely bad. There's nothing here that moves this horror genre forward. It's just kind of treading, treading water in place, which there's places for that with film. There's places for that with stories. I don't need every single film to be The Exorcist. I don't need every single film to be Rosemary's Baby. I don't need all of that. Every once in a while, a B-level horror film would be good. And, like, being honest, if you're going to, like, a drive-in theater, and this was the first feature leading up to another horror film that's coming out, maybe, uh, we haven't seen it yet, obviously, but maybe in the new Insidious film, I think it would be fine. As of right now, like, this was a good lead-in and if you're somebody who is not experienced in the horror genre, I mean, fine, yeah, I think check this one out. It doesn't reinvent the wheel, but it's also not super scary. So, yeah, The Boogeyman. The Boogeyman, easily a rented. If you agree or disagree with any of my takes on that film, you can email in at filmologyshow at gmail.com. We're going to play the trailer here for Transformers Rise of the Beasts, and I'll be joined with Samantha on the other side to talk about that film. So we'll be... Right back, roll out. Stand down! I'm not the one to fear, Prime. There is a darkness coming. During the 90s, a new fraction of Transformers, the Maximals, join the Autobots as allies in the battle for Earth. That is the plot synopsis for the new Transformers Rise of the Beasts, directed by Stephen Cable Jr., released by Paramount Pictures in theaters now. Samantha, before we get going on our actual thoughts on this new Transformers film, I think we should talk about our relationship to Transformers. Like, how do we feel about it walking in? Are we somebody who grew up watching cartoons? Did you love those uh, 2007 to, uh, what, 2015 films? Did you like Bumblebee? Like, wh- what What are your thoughts on Transformers? My dad had the older Transformer cartoons on disc. And so he'd show them to me and my brother as we were growing up. So I do know some of that. And the theme song, I did, I think I sang it to you in the lobby before the movie. Because <laughs> I was excited. Um, I do like the 2007 to 2015 films. Because that was, I guess, my generation of Transformers growing up too. So I did like those. So I was hesitant, but maybe excited. I know I haven't seen every single one of the most recent ones so I didn't know really what 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 was going on with the gang if that makes sense because I've never seen the animal ones before so I was like I don't I don't know anything about those so it's kind of interesting but I was excited because I was just like ah yeah a good robot movie maybe some some smashing and and punches and maybe some pew pewing and it'll be good my favorite 
has pretty much always been Optimus Prime. Pretty typical, I suppose. What about you? I mean, for me, what, 2007, as I put on my, my review, I would have been 15 years old at the time, right? 15, yes, 15 years old at the time. Just wanted to triple check my math there. Uh, kind of the right demographic for that film when it was coming out in 2007. And overall, I enjoyed the first Transformers film. Hated Revenge of the Fallen. Liked Dark of the Moon quite a bit. Age of Extinction, I mean, it has the Dinobots. That was a huge thing for me. Yeah, I don't know those ones either. The Dinobots? Okay, well, the, the Dinobots are a part of the G1 Transformers, like, show. So... I probably saw them in the show, but I'm saying the newer ones. Like, the ones I'm thinking of in my head are the pictures of, of the newer ones, and I don't know those okay. ones. Okay, yep. Uh, I mean, I, look, I haven't wa- actually watched a Transformers show since Beast Wars. Like, Beast Wars was my Transformers show growing up. The animation, like, I was watching a couple clips of it on on a, a YouTube. It looks bad. It, I mean, it, for when it came out in the early 90s, it looks good, but now it looks it looks really, really bad. Uh, but Beast Wars was my show. So it had that nostalgia factor for me kind of walking in and being like, oh, I watched this growing up. I couldn't tell you anything about it, but... Like, well, now I couldn't, but back then I probably could. Uh, but, yeah, I, I remember watching it. I remember having a good good feelings watching that show. Like, when it comes to these films, like, Transformers The Last Night was terrible. Absolutely ridiculous, bad. Who wanted more Transformers movies after that? I would argue no one. And then Bumblebee came out, and I was like, man, you know, I do like this. I do like Transformers again. But that was taking the stakes making them so small about this one family. And yes, of course, there's this, the whole, there's this whole war on Cybertron, Autobots, Decepticons, yada yada. But that Bumblebee film just honed in on it, tried to make it like a John Hughes film, this coming-of-age story, which is something that I love. So that film worked for me. And then I saw that they were doing the Beast War. This isn't Beast Wars. It's not Beast Wars. It's taking those characters and just kind of shoehorning them into the Transformers mythology. Uh, well, this, this the movie verse, uh, version of that mythology. And maybe maybe it's just me, and it possibly could be, that I'm just kind of done with giant robots punching each other. Like, it, it's not something that I personally need in my life anymore. And maybe it's because I've seen it so many times before, and I'm like, this is just, okay, come on. Can, can we just get on with it? Like, once again, bump. I mean, how would you suggest they change? I feel like that's their whole thing. Robots punching other robots. i rather at this point, and I, I think that's what they're going to be doing. I think they're making a new animated film, but i rather just see the war in Cybertron. Like, i rather they cut out the whole human element. I don't need that anymore in these films. I get that you think you need them to sell these films, which you did for Bumblebee, but, like, all these other films, I do we need the humans? Like, most of the time they're kind of a nuisance in these films. Not, not so much... I would say they're trying to connect to their audience the whole thing. Like, you know how, like, superhero movies is like, you too can be a hero, anyone can be a hero. It's almost kind of like that. You two can be a robot? Is that what we were going? No, a hero. It's still a hero, but it's more... It seems to be more awkward because they definitely don't have the same 
caliber of strengths that the robots do, which I can't spoil it, but I feel like they try and change the script on that one a tiny bit in this movie. But in general, the humans are kind of weird, but it's how they're trying to connect to the audience, I think. We'll get to more of the humans in a bit in this film because I think the actors that we have in this film are really good, but I think that the, they make some really bad story beats personally that I mm-hmm. actually was very upset by in this film, but we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, lukewarm walking in. And at the end of the day, I'm lukewarm walking out. So no, nothing changed. But like I, I, like I told you, like as we were lying to get concessions... AMC theaters, they have these popcorn buckets that they're doing all the time, and their latest one was an Optimus Prime vehicle, the, the semi-truck. And I told you that if I, if I was in line right now, when this movie came out in 2007, and they were selling that, I would have bought it hands down. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, I don't need that. Like, I still have a soft spot in my heart for Transformers. But I don't... Personally, is a... 30 plus year old, this isn't doing anything for me. It's just, it's it's not, the nostalgia's not working for me enough to push it to the point where I can recommend this movie. I think that the thing, the thing that would work for the nostalgia factor is doing the soft reboot, just completely doing the soft reboot, like just making it Autobots, Decepticons, War and Cybertron, done, like done. 100% opening night, I'll be there and excited for that film if it happens. But I, I don't care, I guess, I, with where this story's going. Because how many times can I see, whether it be a Terracon, a Decepticon, uh, one of the Primes, like whatever, trying to destroy Earth? How many? We've seen this done so many times before. Come on. The giant beam up into the sky. I thought we were done with this. Yeah. We had a good 10, 15 years that every single movie did it. And now, like, we finally have decided to move on. And Transformers is like, no, we don't have anything else. Let's keep doing it. I'm like, God, please stop. And I know that they were, one of their big things that they were trying to say in the film was, oh, the the humans can't see it. Only the yeah. robots can. I'm like, but actively right now watching the movie, I can see it. Like, I don't care if they're... They can't see it in the film. I can see it. Would it have been as interesting if you couldn't see it, though? And you'd be like, why Why are they all running over there? Like, I mean, I sure, a, dis- a distress signal only ro- the robots can hear. They're all running towards it. Sure, go, I can go with that. It doesn't need to be a giant beam in the sky. I think that's my big thing. Like, anything else would have been fine with. Maybe a giant beam that went underground I'd even be fine with. That, what? That'd, be, that'd be fine, too. But anything that just goes <laughs> up into the sky, it's just... So, it feels like it was done by somebody who is doing this for their intro to film class in college, and then they were like, okay, yeah, I've seen every other film do this, let me just shove this in here really quick. I'm like, but but this is a big budget film! (laughs) This is done by a lot of people! You guys could come up with anything better? I think that's my whole, like, thesis for this movie is, yeah, but it could be so much better. And Optimus Prime in this movie is a jerk. Yeah, I, he kind of is. I, don't, I love him, but they did him dirty in this one. I don't get it. 
Like, why is Optimus a jerk in this film? I I told you, they're trying to hand it off to a different Autobot, and so they're like, oh, we don't want you to miss him, so he's going to be kind of rude. But you can't hand it off to a different Autobot, because, look, until they actively want to come out and say, no, those Michael Bay films were going in a completely different direction. Yeah. Like, they, they don't know what they're doing. I think that's the biggest issue, is they don't know if they want this to tie in to those original films, or if they're going in a different direction. And if they could just come out and completely break that and say, okay, we are going off in a different direction, which is why you can't have the Decepticons in this film, because they're in that 2007 film coming to Earth for the first time. That's the whole reason why we can't have them. And That's why the time is in the past, which I didn't realize because I you, decided not to you, read the giant time. Yeah, you, you, you weren't paying attention at all. So that, that, that that's not the movie's fault. The movie is telling you in a lot of different ways that this is taking place in the past. It did. And, and I was like, what the heck? Why is it like this? And you're like, well, because of this. And I'm like, oh. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It, the movie takes place in the past. So I feel like they're trying to tie it in to be like, oh, this is the before. This is, He was kind of a jerk before. And then he solely no. <laughs> grew to have the heart towards humans like in the later movies that were made before this. Like I feel like they're trying to tie it in, but it'd be better if they didn't. I, who cares? Like, obviously I care, but who cares about this tying into those other films? Like, can't we just? They not, want a Transformers universe. Not which we're going to get at the end of this film. I don't want to spoil it, but there are there is the promise of a greater, bigger universe. It's not the same. Maybe it's the same to some people as Nick Fury showing up at the end of Iron Man. It didn't give me that same like chill down my spine, but I also haven't yeah. spent the past. 20 years of my life deeply invested in the Transformers universe, where it is in the Marvel universe. I buy comics every week. I go to these movies, video games, everything. But I just... I don't know. I, like, I think I think doing Beast Wars in this film, I think it's a bad idea. I don't think it works. There's, like... How has nobody caught on to these giant apes, cheetahs, birds... That don't, like, the whole thing is Transformers more than meets the eye. So it's taking a machine and making it into a robot. Like, this is a robotic animal that's then going to turn into a robotic human. Like, I, I hate to, once again, say the who cares, but there's nothing that looks, there's nothing, like, awe-inspiring with that. Versus the first time you saw, like, Optimus transform in that 2007 film, or uh, uh, the first time you see any Transformers transform, I think it's Starscream, I believe, in the first uh, Transformers 2007 film, like, at the army base, you see him transform, and it looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, you're like, oh my, like, this is what I wanted to see for the past, like, however long you've watched Transformers. Like, really great. I, I mean, They uh, were sure uh, to do it a bunch of times, sometimes for almost no reason. They definitely put it in this movie. I, <laughs> They're I like, just, here you go, uh, we know you like this, and you're like, this is the capers situation. <laughs> It, 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 it's just a whole thing of what, I don't know, and then like my head trying to fi- fix this into continuity is like, okay, where are the Maximals in the 2007 film? Did they all die off? What happened? I don't know. They're running around in the woods. Don't worry no, about it. No, you, you cannot just introduce characters like that and say, yep, they're important, and then all of a sudden, nope, they, they don't matter anymore. I like, mean, it kind of feels like what they're doing but that's if, what, if they're connected. That's what I'm saying, though. Like, let's let's just do a clean break. Let's just do it. I think that, for me, I would enjoy the film more. And my, my biggest issue, my completely... My, 
the issue that just bothers me so much is there's no stakes in this film. Not a single thing. Yes, I know you're telling me that the fate of the universe, the fate of all Earth is on the line. Look, every single person walking into this theater knows you're not going to blow up Earth at the end of the movie. Think that would be a huge risk. No, it's like, are you saying they should have? Because, uh, <laughs> I don't know. You'd be like, wow, this was a bad movie. And apparently it's dead. Moving on. I think, I don't, you know? I mean, do, do I want that from this Transformers film? No, but... Now, this is where you're going to get into Jonathan Conspiracy Corner and everything. Like, I don't know if you remember the original, not the original, the Transformers, uh, the, the, I think The Last Night. I think that's the film that they set up. I can't even think of his name now. The, the bad guy for this film. The giant robot, planet-eating robot. Unicron. So, unicorn, no, that's you, right. Unicorn, no, not unicorn, no, unicron. <laughs> I was thinking the whole time, though. Uh, Unicron. So in the, in the original Transformers, the last night film, I keep saying the original, I'm not sure why, uh, nothing in the film's original, but the, the ludicrous thing in that film was saying that planet Earth was, like, formed over Unicron. So I was, I kept expecting a weird, like, timey-wimey thing to happen in this film that was going to be like, oh, no, you, that did happen, that still somehow happens. Unicron just combines into Earth, and I'm like, okay, cool. That, that doesn't happen in this film. I don't remember that. Yeah, Unicron. Yeah, that, that's, that's the whole. That's the whole. Ba- that's the whole thing in that film. Uh, Seems really. Uh, I think. I awkward. think it's that film. It's either that film or Age of Extinction. It's one of the later two films. Maybe it's Age of Extinction because I don't know about that. But um, I was expecting like that kind of thing to happen, and then, then that would be a way to tie it in. Or you could have just, yeah, destroyed Earth and have this be an alternate timeline. Like, I... There's so many different things you can do because it is a science fiction have film. Have they really brought multiverse timelines into the Transformers, It's the, it's the big thing right now. Just do it. I mean, I'm not really right... I mean, it is a big thing right now, but I'm just saying in Transformers, have they done that before? Because I don't think they have. I mean, I think they, they could easily do it. I mean, going back to the film from 2009 that I really like... The Star Trek reboot by J.J. Abrams. Like, that... The big thing that they do in that film, which raises the stakes, is they destroy Vulcan. Like, I think it's Vulcan. The, the, the Spock... Spock's film. I'm not... He, deeply into Star Trek mythology. But the thing... The thing which is interesting about that is they destroy it and they create a whole other timeline by destroying it. Like, they're like, yep, all those other films that you... And adventures, TV shows, they still happened. They're on their own little timeline and now we're in the Calvin timeline. No stakes in the film. Especially if you're an Autobot. You can die 50 times in the film. And you'll come back every time. Yeah, you'll be just fine. And it is so bad. Like, are they that afraid after killing Optimus Prime in that animated movie that they're never going to do it again? I mean, I, I should say that. They do it in every film. They've done it in a whole bunch of the other I ones. I was like, uh, I just remember a couple times that other ones have died. Let, me, let me rephrase it. Are they just going to do it in every single film? Because I... Yeah. I just, Once again, stakes. They're trying to tell me, like, when characters die in this film, they're like, oh, it's a dramatic beat, dramatic moment. I'm like, are you kidding me? A, you're selling a whole bunch of merchandise with this toy on... With this toy, with this vehicles robot on it i know you're not gonna just kill them off i want stakes i want things that are gonna feel organic to the story that matter to the story and nothing in this film does but i want to talk about the humans we haven't talked about the humans yet anthony ramos 
and I'm gonna I'm gonna mess up her name, and I do apologize. Uh, Dominique uh, Fishback, who uh, Anthony Ramos, Hamilton fame in the Heights fame. Or for us in the Heights fame, I mean the, the movie came out and bombed, but I loved it. I loved it. Um, I and, was uh, waiting for him to sing the whole time. I, I, or just I, say I don't I want him, I don't want him to sing. Or just say. Ayo, good morning. No, I don't want to. Because I, I listened to that song so much on my no. way to work that I was just like, he's going to say it, guys. He's going to. No, he's not. And I don't want him to. Uh, <laughs> Dominique uh, Fishback was in Judas and the Black Messiah, which uh, we saw, I think you liked. I don't remember. I know I liked it. I have a problem. And my problem is I always talk about how much representation matters. And in this film, completely agree, still, representation matters. But the thing that bothers me the thing that bothers me is that there's plenty of times that it, it comes up. The world is meant for people who aren't you. The issue with represent the issue with me saying that representation matters in this film is that each time Anthony Ramos is trying to move forward with his life, he's pushed back and said, "Nope, it may, like you can't have a place in this world. You're an immigrant. You're not from here. You can't do anything." But then the film really doesn't do anything with that other than bring that up. He still doesn't go on to do anything at the end of this film that matters. Like, I hate to say this, but any where that character ends up at the end of this film could have happened to any person. Mm-hmm. It does not matter anything about who he is, like where what his background is, like anything like that. So why bring those points up? If you're not going to pay them off. It, it, it just, like, everyone keeps talking about, like, the Little Mermaid movie. Like, having, uh, uh, Haley, uh, did it wrong. Everyone kept saying that that was tokenism, giving her the role. And I said in the review, I completely disagreed with that. I still completely disagree with that. And I don't think that, like, this is tokenism, giving Anthony Ramos this role. Because, I mean, not to be rude with Anthony Ramos, like, who besides people in the musical theater world care about him? He does a good job with what he's given. But don't try to bring up this whole mixing pot, cultural society thing, and then try and say we're going to do something with it. I mean, if you pay attention to his room, he's got he's got the Cuban flag up, and I believe it's the Cuban flag up in his room. It, it's he's listening to hip hop music. He's listening to music that's usually not in these Transformers films. So everything that's going on is trying to tell me, hey, we're in the vibe for a different film. It's going to actually make a statement. It's going to do something, and then it it holds it at arm's length after that and says, okay, we actually really don't want to deal with you. We we kind of feel like we have to, but we don't want to. We want to make a Transformers film. You know, robots bashing each other. That's all. Mm-hmm. It it just felt icky to me personally. That they were trying, they they even brought it up. Like I honestly rather not even have it be brought up at that point, because yeah. it feels like ashamed of it. And I just I I don't like that. Like like rep- once again, representation matters and showing up showing like a strong like is he a strong character? I maybe I don't think there's anything. It doesn't do anything. He's just he's just kind of there, which is why I'm more intrigued at what they might be doing later on. Without spoiling things once again, but I, I don't know. Like, there's no character in this film. I kind of liked Elena. She actually did something that was special with her background. Cause that wasn't just anyone could do what she was doing. Correct. 
So I was like, I actually kind of liked her. Yes. You know, she had Indiana Jones vibes. Correct. I'll, I'll give you that. I, so I, I was like, like that, that was something at least. It almost felt like... I've been thinking a lot about D&D recently, so it was probably just already on my mind in general. But when I was watching it at the end, I was like, man, it almost feels like she's the like intelligence wisdom character that can't really fight at all and so they're like we gotta get you to do something over here because you're gonna die otherwise (laughs) it just made me think of that and i was like wow everyone else is like heavy hitters and you're just like gotta sneak around so i don't die i don't know i thought that was interesting but that was just my brain so I think the issue is I expect too much from a Transformers film. I think at the end of the day... I mean, I, maybe. I think that's my issue. Is I feel like they might sit down and tell you, be like, look, we, we put people in there. What do you want next? And, you know, you're like, I, I want more. I could, I've seen better. You know, but they're just like, look, they're in there. You know? No, I... I, I, I must I, feel like that's what they would tell you if, if you had a direct conversation. And my direct conversation with them, which would go to, okay, just because you put a person there... To say that you have representation without actually doing anything, that's not representation. But yeah. I, I'm not the person who, who needs to be at the forefront having that talk with Paramount Pictures. Um, I don't know. I, I think I expect too much from a Transformers film across the board. I think I expect to have great action. There's not great action in this film. I expect to have spectacle. There's, I, in my opinion, no spectacle in this film. And characters who are compelling... Are the characters compelling? Compelling enough, I'll say. I don't think that there's anything here that's going to make me want to go on another journey with these characters. Uh, I, I can't say if they're going to show up again. We don't know. From that first Transformers film, did anyone like really want to have uh, Shia LaBeouf come back? I, I don't think so. He came back for two other films, so... I know what my rating is for this film, and now I'm going to have a hard time justifying it, I feel. I, I think that... For the fan of Transformers, there's enough in here to keep you entertained. There's enough with the robots fighting. There's enough fun things. Uh, I do have one question for you, Samantha. Why was Peter Dinklage in this movie? Now, did you know that Peter Dinklage was in this movie? He was in this movie? Yeah, he was in this movie. He voiced Scourge, the main Terracon. Oh, really? That could have, like, I hate... Good for him, buddy. You got a paycheck. Listen, he gets typecasted a lot. As just being like, ah, you're a short character. We're going to make short jokes. Not necessarily that happened. Well, actually, sometimes it did happen in Game of Thrones. It happened in quite he a He was bit. a fantastic Game of Thrones character. But my point is, is he gets typecast a lot. So I'm like, hey, look at you. You got to play a big robot villain. That's very different for you. I'm proud of you. Good job. You get money. I, I know. I have, to, know? I, I have to double check that that actually is his voice. In my mind, it is. Yep, Peter Dinklage just Scourge. I Wow. Good for you. I'm not you got this... money. And got to do something different. Hey, that doesn't sound like Peter Dinklage. They modified his voice so much to the point where I'm I like... I feel like they modify all the robots' voices. They're like, mm, a robot voice shouldn't sound just like some guy in a room recording. There is nothing about you know, that voice. Like, Let's no. make it... Like, I guarantee you the person who plays Optimus Prime does not... Peter Collin? Oh, I don't think it always sounds exactly like that. I mean, he's a voice actor. Like, he, deep and rumbly. 
Maybe they modified his voice a bit, but so he's been do, he's been he's been the voice of Optimus Prime well, I'm well from the beginning. Aware of that. And he's like, if he goes, to, I'm no, well aware. I, if he goes to cons and stuff like that, he does the Optimus Prime voice. He sounds pretty much like Optimus Prime. No, I disagree with that. I look, I don't. I'm not saying I don't want Peter Dinklage to work because obviously I do. I, but what? You're asking why him? It a. I don't think Peter Dinklage is doing press for this movie. No, I don't think he is. B, it doesn't sound anything like him, so, like, why bring him? Like, why not just get the Joe Schmo intern and say, hey, voice this character. We don't, like... Is anybody going to this movie because Peter Dinklage is in it? I don't think so. I had no idea, obviously. So, th- that's that's kind of my point versus things like we talked before about voice acting performances where, like, they did that bad trend in the, the 90s or 90s and 2000s of, hey, Brad Pitt is Sinbad. Well, Brad Pitt has... Or he did. I'm not sure if he still does. Had a pretty big fan base. They're gonna go out and see this animated film. At least that was the hope. But this doesn't do anything like that. I think what it comes down to is for a Transformers film, this is fine. It's not bad. We've seen bad. We've seen the last night, which tries to shove Transformers into history in such bizarre ways. I mean, Bumblebee fighting in World War Two. That doesn't seem that doesn't feel right to shove a transformer into the, like a a huge world event that was very devastating for our entire world. That doesn't that doesn't feel right. So having them do low stakes battles here, I guess, might be the right way to go. If you were to tell me that I never got another Transformers film again, I'd be like, okay, fine. I'm like I I've had my film. Then I go back to once again think about our audience and how most of them seemed excited, Samantha, watching this film. Films. Look, I, I, look, I don't, I, I, RC, I'm really happy RC was here because for what, the longest time we didn't have the old male Transformers. Now we have the Tolkien female one. I do think it's interesting that she's a motorcycle. I mean, do you know uh, other motorcycle ones? Because I don't think I do. I mean, I know, I, I've known of RC for a long time, so I know RC was a motorcycle, so I can't... Oh, I meant, like, a different one than RC. Once again, I... So I was like... Oh. I, am, I am so far out of Transformers mythology. I know there's, like, bot cons and stuff like that. I don't go to them. I don't... I, and that's not my thing. Like, I don't know. There has to be other female Transformers, because I, I doubt we're in 2023 and there's only RC. I would be shocked if there's only RC... At this For point. motorcycles, yeah. Yeah. But. Anyway. Uh, um, anyway, we've gone way down the rabbit hole of everything with this film. Uh, so, yeah, like I was saying earlier, I know that there's people who do enjoy this film. I know that I am just one of them who, one of the people who doesn't. I I think it's fine. Like, there's nothing in this film that's offensively bad. But there's nothing that makes me think that this film should be seen by audiences across the entire world. My ratings are rented. I think that there's enough in here that's enjoyable to watch. The end battle, I I was kind of done with the moment it started. I think the first battle at the at the museum, I think that was actually probably my favorite of the whole film. Me too. So, started off high and then I was like, oh, well, more of the same. So, this isn't a high bar for the Transformers films. It's not the... It's, it's just, it's just there. It's just kind of in a valley, just kind of waiting to go back up to the peaks. 
Because we can't get there. I think this new animated film that they're they're talking about can be it. And maybe that's the, the way to go with Transformers now is to do an actually like CGI animated film. I don't want to do a... Please don't do a Spider-Verse version. Like, do not do... Hey, we're going throughout all of time, space to bring all these different Transformers together. Please don't do that. I don't want that. I think that would be like, okay, no, you're, apt, you, you're actively ripping off other things at that point. But the War of Cybertron, it really hasn't been touched in these films. Why not? Just do it. Come on. That's, that's what we want. So just do it. Samantha, you're waiting for Transformers Rise of the Beasts. My rating's rented as well. Or, what is it, stream it? That's right, it is now a stream it. <laughs> Sorry, rent it or stream it, depending on how you borrow movies. <laughs> um, I don't know, I, I, I liked some aspects of the movie enough to that I would watch it, but I just don't know if it really has to be on the big screen. Which... Now I feel puts me. We talked after the film about how I feel like I'm in a like a hole now because I recommended Fast X, because that's a film that had a charismatic lead with Jason Momoa. Well, he's not really the lead, but a charismatic antagonist, and the stunts in the the quote unquote stunts in the movie were fine enough to watch. I enjoyed them enough, and I think if this movie had somebody who's as charismatic as Jason Momoa, I think I would recommend it. But there's not... I think so, too. There's not anybody who's just bringing Maybe that Maybe they needed life. Jason Momoa. Well, actually, we, 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 <laughs> we didn't talk about Pete Davidson in this film. Is Mirage. Oh, yeah, you kind of liked Mirage. I actually liked Mirage quite a bit. <laughs> I was like, you were giggling at I, all I, the Mirage spots. <laughs> I, 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 like, okay. I, did, I liked Mirage. Like, you know, give me a Mirage, Bumblebee team up. Sold. Like, I'll be, that, that I'll be there opening night for. Once again, Transformers now, we're at such a weird place where I think we've gone, like, and done so many better films than this, like Pacific Rim. Uh, I mean, I personally enjoyed that Power Rangers film that came out a few years ago. I just, there's not there's nothing about Transformers that feels special anymore. Maybe that was just they saturated the market with, what, eight films, seven, seven, eight films. It's, I mean, you would think that about Fast and Furious, but... Which they did. I mean, Some people are very excited still. They are, but the, the box office does speak otherwise, so... Good. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> wow. Is that what I said? Okay, uh, if you agree or disagree with any of our thoughts on Transformers Rise of the Beasts, feel free to email us at filmologyshow at gmail.com. We're going to take a real quick break, and we'll be back on the other side to talk about our top five movie robots. You, I suppose you're programmed for etiquette and protocol. Protocol? Why, it's my primary function, sir. I am well versed in all the customs. I have no need for a protocol droid. Of course you haven't, sir. Not in an environment such as this. That is why I have been programmed. What I really need is a droid who understands the binary language of moisture evaporators. Evaporators? Sir, my first job was programming binary load lifters, very similar to your evaporators in most respects. Can you speak bocce? Of course I can, sir. It's like a second language to me. I'm a yeah, All right, shut up. I'll take this. Shut one. up, sir. Luke! All right, we are back to talk about our top five movie robots, tying into our review of Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Samantha, I know that you mentioned when we were making this list that there's a lot of movie robots. 
which then became very hard to be like, okay, which ones go to my list? Because I can tell you right now, like, look at my top five, that there are quote-unquote better robots out there, maybe more memorable to a lot of people. But it's a very personalized list, more so than some of the other ones, like, because these are actual, like, characters, like, how do they act? What do they want? These were all things that I thought about while making my list. Versus, well, does the robot look cool? Yeah, for me, Optimus Prime looks pretty cool, but he's not on my list. Honorable mention to Optimus Prime right now here at the top for me, but I don't know enough about him. Other than, yeah, he's the leader, quote-unquote, but he doesn't do anything that's really, at least in the film that we just watched, he doesn't do anything that's really a leader, anything that a leader would do. He does in other films. But anyway, we, we don't need to get into that. Um, so, yeah, for me, there's going to be some films on the list that people are going to be like, oh, of course he has that on there. But then there might be some surprises. I don't know. Samantha, what, what do you, how was it for you coming up with this list? Uh, there's about a billion and one robots. And there's about two million that are my favorite. So, it was hard. <laughs> Okay, I mean, I, I can tell you right now that you and I do have opposite lists for the most part. So I, I try, I try to be diverse, and I try to pick things that you wouldn't necessarily pick. I still think we might have one or two the same, but in general, I try to make sure that there were unique choices. Yep, and yeah, for me, once again, I, I always try to pick things that I'm like, okay, ten years down the line. I mean, obviously, we'll have different films that have come out, so like maybe something that comes out ten years from now might be on my list. But I tried to pick things that I'm like, no, like right now, like ten years from now, I'll look at it and be like, yep, I'm happy with that list. I'm still happy with it. I'm happy right now. I'm happy in the future. So that's what I try to do because I want to make a good representation. Uh, these are films. I always try to also pick films that people should see. So I, I was also like, okay, am I going to pick a movie that maybe needs a little more love? Yeah, I think I will. But I can also defend every every robot on my list. So I'll start with, right now with my number five. My number five is BB-8 from Star Wars The Force Awakens. Most people are going to pick R2-D2 or C-3PO or K-2SO or all these other robots. We can continue going on and on with all these other robots from the Star Wars franchise. But for me, it's BB-8. I mean, the moment that he does that thumbs up to Finn in the Millennium Falcon. I mean, Samantha, you know me. Thumbs up. That's like my go-to thing for any picture, any time, like... You're having a good day, thumbs up. Like, and you're just like wincing in pain right now because I do that all the time. Well, I was just picturing. So we're going to a wedding later today, and I'm just picturing us getting like a photo with the bride and groom, and you're just gonna do a thumbs up, and I'm gonna cringe. Completely. Yes. <laughs> that's that's why I was cringing. I was like, oh god, he's gonna do it today. Completely. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I mean, BBA. I mean, there's so much per- for all of the Star Wars droids. I shouldn't say all of them, but. The majority of them, there's a lot of personality that go into them. Mm-hmm. And BB-8, I mean, just the, just the fact that it's a puppet that has this much personality. I mean, yes, there are shots where it's CG. And there's CG that helped go through to delete a lot of the puppet strings, for lack of a better term here. But I, I think BB-8 is great. Like, whenever, whenever like, I think about... The Force Awakens, BB-8, it's like actually like the first character who comes to mind, who, who me for me represents that film. I know like everyone's gonna be like, oh, what are you talking about? It's Kylo. It's Ray. No, it's BB-8. Like BB-8 was the shining star of that film for me, and I I, I enjoyed him throughout the entire film. So number five, BB-8. 
My number five is Baymax from Big Hero 6. This is the one, this is when Sean and I talked about a couple of options because I was trying to figure out the boundaries of the top five. Anyway, I I like him in the movie a lot. I, I still quote him. I do the ba-la-la-la-la or I'll pet a cat and I'll be like, hairy baby. And the cat's usually confused. But I, I also really, really love the show. So this one is technically from the movie. Oh, this is from the movie. Talking. But no. I like both Baymaxes, so. No. Uh, no. <laughs> no, that's no. rude. No, no. He's a robot. No, uh, honorable mention. He's men- a balloon robot. I have an honorable mention for Baymax <laughs> as, uh, as a character. Uh, really like him in Big Hero 6. He's so sweet. I mean, he's your... Per- I really am a sucker for sweet robots, not gonna lie. Your personalized healthcare companion. I mean... Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I think we all need one. Yeah. So, um, you know, Baymax is great. I, I love Baymax. I'm, so, I, I'm really surprised they haven't made a sequel to this movie yet, actually. Big Hero 6. They did the TV show. Yeah, they did a couple TV shows, but still. I mean, Baymax is a beloved character in the definitely is. Disney community. So Especially in the Disneyland Park in California. This is because you're, they're changing the whole thing to be yes. San Francisco? Yes. I mean, yes, but, I mean, Baymax had the meet and greet at Epcot Center for, it felt like ages. Anyway, I don't need to get into my whole meet and greet stories with Baymax. We don't need to do that. Uh, my number four pick is David from Prometheus. Samantha, I don't think you've seen Prometheus, have you? Have yeah. not. Okay, so, uh, David is an android who's just kind of... How to put it. He wants to be a real boy. He wants to create life. He wants because he's like, okay, cool. I was created, so now I can create life. And he goes down this kind of very sadistic rabbit hole, and not maybe not as much in Prometheus, but in Alien Covenant. So really, it's kind of both here for David, uh, uh, played by Michael Fassbender, who is an actor I probably love. I wish he would work more, but I understand that he's he's taking family time, so good for him on that. But David's the one who I, I love the most. And Prometheus is a film that I think does need to be looked at a bit more. Most people would go with Ash or from the first Alien film or Bishop from Aliens. But for me, it's it's David. I mean, that's the, that's the one that speaks the most to me. Maybe it's because it is the most modern of the films, but it's also asking those big life questions, which that, that's kind of the, that's, that, that's the stuff I like love in my films. So David's my number four. My number four, we had a discussion about, it is Samantha from the movie Her. Samantha is technically an AI, and so we were discussing if an AI software is considered a robot, and we kind of came to the conclusion that maybe. I mean, personally, I think it is because it's a type of robot, because not every robot has AI, but some do. So it was, it was really back and forth, but I I just thought it was really interesting, the whole concept of the movie, and so I felt like she needed to be brought up. I mean, her her is a fantastic film. I think it was my favorite film of that year, so I'm, yeah. I'm not going to... I was like, it was really good. It's a, it's a film I actually feel like I need to go back to more and more, and I, I don't, so... My number three is Rory Batty from Blade Runner. Blade Runner is a phenomenal science fiction film, but... This character is an android whose life is running out. And his whole thing is he wants to go on. He wants to have life. 
and he feels punished by his creator that he was given this lifespan that his time is just about out. Now, once again, does he go about it in the right way? No, he doesn't, but he was also dealt a terrible like, like hand for life. So he's going with the circumstances that he best knows. And his monologue at the end, I think we did top five monologues ages ago. And his monologue about tears in the rain is still a phenomenal monologue. It's a character who, while being villainous, you can you still empathize with. So I, I thought that was great. And my number three pick, it, it, I had to have him on my list. It was one of the characters I thought of first when I was doing this list. So you, in a way, already mentioned this character, but I picked R2-D2 from A New Hope. But I will tell you that the one scene I thought of that made me put him on this list is the screaming scene from... We shot the job by the Jawas? Or... No, 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 where he's on the ship and he falls and he goes, Wow! <laughs> you don't know what I'm talking about. It's well, so cute. I think there's a couple times that R2-D2 does that. So that's why I, I'm... I was, I was specifically thinking of that scene, though, which I think is in Revenge of the Sith, if I'm right. I don't know. When you picked Revenge of the Sith, you said Revenge of the Sith, you also said A New Hope, so now I'm not really... I'm saying A New Hope is where he first shows up, but I dabbled in the idea of picking that because that's the scene I was thinking of. So. I think of, my scene from that movie is I think of him with the, with the oil and he's lighting the droids on fire. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, that's my scene from uh, Revenge of the Sith that I think of. Um, but, no, I mean, as I said... I he's mean, a good boy. You, you could have a whole bunch of... Our, uh, you can have a whole bunch of films from the Star Wars franchise and, and the films. We all bought some of the Star Wars franchise and they would be good picks for the list. So, mm-hmm. kind of hard to argue with R2-D2. Uh, my number two pick is the T-1000 from T-2, uh, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. This takes everything about the T-800 and just elevates it. Now, the T-800, that exoskeleton, is a classic design. Like, no one's going to argue with that design of that that uh, robot. But I personally like the one that can morph. You shoot it with a gun. You shoot it with a gun. I mean, you shoot a gun at it with a bullet. just goes right through him. Can't hurt him. He can morph and he can change his appearance to look like your friends, your family. So they can trick you and then just has a metal spike thing that comes out of his hand and he guts you with it. Like, it's... It's a great design. Like, the fact they put, try and put him in jail, just morphs right through, like, the bars. He goes right under it. Like, he's just a great design. Still is. You, you None of the Terminator films have been able to top the T-1000. They keep trying. And they keep drastically failing because you, you, you got it perfect the first time. Oh, I mean, I guess this is a sequel. The second time, but the T-800, honorable mention as well. Uh, but that, that T-1000, it's just... It's menacing. You, the fact that you're just so unsure of where it's coming from, what form it's going to take. And it's it's just something that I love. I mean, that T2 was a near-perfect film, so happy to have it on my list. My number two is Chappie from Chappie. <laughs> He's so sweet and is just a little guy. Basically trapped as a newborn in a robot's body, not fully understanding why everyone wants to destroy him. And it's 
Ah, oh, he's so cute. I love him so much, John. I know you. I know you don't care about him, but I. I definitely do. I don't like that movie. No. I, I, Chappie I, deserves better. You're right. I. I don't know if Chappie deserves better. I. I. I saw that film when it came out, and I wasn't a fan then. And I've never gone back to it. So maybe maybe it's better. Yes, I, see, I own it. I see that I own it. Well, I, you can't get rid of it while I'm here. I'm never going to get rid of it. But, um, He's a good boy. Yeah, I, 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 I have no excuse to say why I haven't gone back to watch it other than time. So at some point, maybe I'll go back to watch it. You know, and I can talk about how that has impacted my life and our spotlight. But I... I remember not caring for Chappie. I like the design of Chappie more than I like the actual character of Chappie. He's got cute little ears. So Maybe that's why I love him. I love animals with big ears. I think you and I both share the same number one. I think we do. And Should we do like a count of three? Sure, we could do a count of three. In, in, in the voice? Oh, like... <laughs> I can't do the voice. I, I tried. I, I tried last week and it didn't work that well. But we can try again. Uh, so three, two, one, and say the voices. Yeah. Wait. Three, two, one. Wally. <laughs> yeah. Wally's our number one. Um, I mean, I, I said all I could really say last week about Wally, but he's just this little enduring robot. Like, I know we've talked about the story before, Samantha, about how we saw. Wally at the D23 Expo. Yeah, we this, saw this, him. This last, Real life. This last Expo. The and very one who appeared in the movie. I'm, uh, I mean, I, 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 would honestly, <laughs> I would honestly believe that based on the amount of charm that Wally had when we were there. Like, the movements, the sounds. He did, like, sounds. the little, little eye-clicky noise, and I was like, ah! Just... It's so great. Just... I mean, seeing Wally, like that, I think cemented that. I was like, oh no, I like, I love this character. I mean, so many people love Wally. So many people love that movie, and just the it's just. I, I I don't know who out there who I don't know anybody who doesn't love Wally, like the character, like. If they don't, it's because they just haven't seen the movie yet. Like I like if you would have given me that treatment on paper, like handing me that story treatment, I'd been like, this isn't gonna work. But they made it work. That, that this was when Pixar was on top on top of the world. Like Pixar could do no wrong at this point in time. I always go back to, I mean, I'll tie it in with another robot from that film. But that that's that sequence of the film where they're doing their their dance among the stars with Wally and Eve. Like it is one of the most romantic, one of the most just awe inspiring moments. I think that we've like ever gotten from an animated film. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's most it's done mostly it has a score. But it's just done with the score and those robots. And the fact that they don't talk that much in the film, but there's so much character that's still there in both of them. It, it, it's enduring. It's charming. It's just inspiring what you can do with film and storytelling. So, uh, honorable mentions. I mean, Eve. Eve's one, obviously, for me. Uh, I, I toyed with putting Eve on my list instead of Wally, but then I was like, oh, I can't, I, like, I, I can't do it. I don't feel right doing it. It has to be Wally. It has to be Wally. Um, but uh, the T eight hundred I already mentioned. Optimus Prime I already mentioned. Uh, two honorable mentions that might be a cheat. Let's see. Uh, Darth Vader, kind of more cyborg. 
We didn't we didn't argue if cyborgs are robots. So, but if I was allowed to have my AI, then you can have your cyborg. Okay, Darth Vader um, from uh, A New Hope as well, more machine than man. So I think that slightly counts. And then uh, this one is a big cheat, but I'm gonna go with it anyway. <gasps> it's Bruce the shark from Jaws. Not an actual robot in the film. Well, I, I mean, I don't think I can count that. That's a real shark out there somewhere. And you're calling him a cold-hearted robot. <laughs> Your face. <laughs> Bruce the Shark from Jaws. Honorable mention. That's a cheat, Jonathan. <laughs> That's a, it, it, I think it's a clever cheat, at least. Listen, I gave you a cyborg. What the heck is this? <laughs> it's a robotic shark. His name is Bruce. We all love him. Anyway, Samantha, your honorable mentions. I narrowed it down to five honorable mentions. Oh, I have one other one. Can I say my one other one really quick? Okay. Uh, I believe the name is Robbie the Robot from Fantastic Planet. Like, real like when you think of like this one, I think of like nineteen fifties, uh, like sci fi. Like this is the robot that comes to my mind. I'll, I'll have to show you a picture after, but uh, you've definitely seen the, the design is, before. Is he the one in Super Smash Brothers? Uh, that's Rob, which I also thought. Oh, you just said Robbie. I think the name is Robbie. Yep, it is Robbie the Robot, and... If, if that's the same one, then that's the one I No, have. it's not the same one, but uh, that's kind of what it looks oh, like. Oh, no, that's different, yeah. He's got bubble legs. Uh, yeah, because there was a person in that suit, so... But, um, I mean, if you're going with, with Rob the Robot from Super Smash Brothers... Does that count? No, because that's a video game, <laughs> but... I'm sure he had a movie. Another honorable mention, then, would be <laughs> uh, Eddie's Robot from the, Muppet, uh, the Muppets... The 2011 film. He's driving them around in the car, and they they're like, "Oh, we're gonna look up where the Muppets are." And then the mold, he hooks up the modem, and it, it's it's a funny gag. I mean, that's really all that the characters there for is that one scene. Okay, is it my turn? Yeah, it's your turn. So I have five honorable mentions. One is Ava from Ex Machina. Ex Machina. Okay. Yeah. From I, Ex Machina. I I um yeah, I'll be honest. As I was wa- as I was wa- as I was walking into the office here to record, uh, I've I, I walk, we walk past the the movie collection all the time to walk in here, and I, I saw that movie and I was like, well, "That's not on my list." Don't worry, I got it. Yeah, but so the thing was, I couldn't remember. Like, I remember loving the movie. Can't remember her name. Well, I couldn't remember much about her. Mm. So I was like, okay, I remember loving it, but I don't know why. So I, I didn't feel right putting that on my list. Okay. Uh, and then Adam kind of gave this one to me, and since he's not sending in a list for this one, I thought I would put it on here, because I also think it's a great one. Uh, the Iron Giant from the Iron, Iron Giant, <laughs> who is a big softie. Um, I also have the robots from Laputa from Castle in the Sky. They are a major plot point in the movie, but they they do have some char- characteristics that you find out kind of later. I don't know. I just think they're really great. They don't talk at all, but their actions definitely speak louder than words. Ron from Ron's Gone Wrong. I forgot about Ron. Yeah, we liked him way more than we expected. Because that, that was a, that was a really uh, that was a really good movie. I, I like. Yeah. I mean, walking in, I, I kind of it kind of looks like a Baymax light type of thing, 
So I was like, oh, I don't think I'm going to like this. Now, mm-hmm. once again, I don't remember a lot about that movie. We just watched it like two years ago. Yeah. But I remember really enjoying it. I can't tell you if I really like the character of Ron, but I know I really like the movie. He's a big part of the movie. No. Uh, and then I had to add one more character from Wally. You already said Eva. Mo. And Wally. And mine is Mo. <laughs> Mo. <laughs> Mo's really cute. I, mean, I love him so Mo, much. Mo's, like, I, that's another character who you're like, oh, okay, Wally, you just messed up a whole bunch of stuff and now Mo has to go clean it up. Poor like, guy. Poor, yeah, he's just trying to do his job. <laughs> and he's so cute. He's very cute. I just don't think, I don't, like, I mean, he's got a lot of character in him. <laughs> Yeah, and he's not even on screen that long, yeah. but I, I I, did think of him for my list, so you don't have to be on screen very long for me to get attached, apparently. No, I completely agree. I mean, how, <laughs> how, how many, once again, how many droids are there in the Star Wars universe who have a name that was never actually set on screen? Yeah. So, I uh, completely agree with that. But, yeah, that's, a, that's our top five. It's a good top five. Hopefully, next week. Next week, I'm worried. Why? Our top five... Is top five DC movies. Oh, yeah. I hope that we all do not have Batman, 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 Batman. I know personally right now I do not, but I'm really afraid that everyone else is going to be like, oh, these Batman movies. And I'm like, oh, no, why are we doing this? Um, but it could happen. I'm hoping it doesn't. Uh, for that top five DC films next week, because of our review of The Flash. I can finally talk about this film. I'm excited to talk about this film. Samantha, are you excited to talk about The Flash? Sure. Okay. I'll count that. Is a, a, <laughs> Maybe just as excited as I was to see Transformers movie. Okay. Um, and we're going to talk about Elemental. The latest Pixar film. Hopefully it's good. I, I know that you and I both had that, I believe, is our number one most anticipated film of summer. Yeah. So, it has a lot riding on it for me. Kind of a, just a lot, because Pixar needs a, needs like a, a good hit. Because they're kind of, kind of not getting it right now. But, if you'd like to check out past episodes of this show, or written reviews, you can head over to filmologyshow.com. Like I said, written reviews all the way back to 2013, past episodes of the show... Top five lists all over at FromologyShow.com. Samantha, anything else you have to say before we leave? Narp. Narp. That's a quote from Hot Fuzz. I don't remember that. Well, there's this one guy who says Yarp all the time. And um, our main hero knocks him out and his walkie goes off and someone's trying to talk to him and it was like I don't remember there's some sort of question that he had to respond to so he said uh narp and they accepted it and it was really funny I, I mean I probably laughed I probably laughed when <laughs> it happened a blank stare. probably laughed when it happened but I don't remember it so my, my memory lately has not been not been hitting all the beats it should be but anyway um That's going to do it for this week's show, guys. Thank you for joining us on the cinematic journey, and we'll see you next week. Enjoy your week in film. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat.
the popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.